0: Hey, this Christmas party is getting a little too quiet. I think it's time we liven it up with my favorite Christmas gift, Mr.
1: Microphone. Hey, Hey, what's that? Well, you set the dial on your FM radio and testing, testing.
2: I'm on the radio.
1: kids are having a fabulous time with Mr. Microphone. The cordless microphone that actually puts your voice on the radio. There are no attaching wires, so you're free to move around. Broadcast over any FM car radio.
2: Hey, good-looking! We'll be back
1: to pick you up later! GLH means great-looking hair. Just spray GLH on, and it instantly covers your bald spot, leaving you with great-looking hair. And ladies with thinning hair or bald spots, GLH solves the problem instantly. GLH is not a paint or a cover-up. It's an amazing powder that clings to the tiniest hairs on your head. It actually builds on itself, leaving you with great, great-looking hair. And the GLH hair system is not expensive.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's incredible.
1: I've been getting rising for being bald, and I'm only a young man. No more dates about being called old man, but the babes are back. Order GLH now for only $39.92, and get the $15 trim comb free. Or send $39.92 plus SNH to Ronco. In
3: Japan, the hand can be used like a knife. But this method doesn't work with a tomato. That's why we use the Ginsu. It's a knife that no kitchen should be without. The Ginsu can cut a slice of bread so thin you can almost see through it. It cuts meat better than an electric knife and goes through frozen food as though it were melted butter. The ginsu is so sharp it can cut through a tin can and still slice a tomato like this. It can chop wood and still remain razor sharp. What's more, it's a knife that will last forever. How much would you pay for a knife like this? Before you answer, listen. It even comes with a matching fork to make carving a pleasure. Wait, there's much money.
1: There's a new pet. chia Chia Pet, the pottery that grows. It's fun and easy. Soak your chia, spread the seeds, keep it watered, and watch it grow. And now grow a whole collection of fun with Chia teddy bears. Puppies, kittens, rams, bulls. There's even a chia tree to keep your pets company. Chia Pets and Trees, the pottery that grows. The Chia Pet and Chia Tree are available at Kmart, Rite Aid, Ames, and Woolworth. Makes a great gift
2: recently when i became deathly ill i was able to summon an ambulance my next door neighbor my family and my doctor without picking up a telephone i used this remote control to contact life call my 24-hour emergency medical response service watch you just press this button and speak into the air and
3: i'm having chest pain
4: i'm calling paramedics and your family mr miller
5: i've fallen
4: And I can't get up!
1: We're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher.
3: I'm just getting into a prophetic vein. Someone with a di- digestive tract problems, quickly called. There's a miracle for you. Intestinal problems, someone with similar intestinal problems. We've seen several people being delivered from the colostomy bags. Disability with a child, some type of a learning disability. We've seen many, many children healed. We've seen midgets grow. We've seen arms and legs that stopped growing. growing because the growth sales that stopped Mandada basata i don't make this stuff up we have thousands of testimonials documented by people's lives that have been changed oh so (laughs) there
6: you might have heard us laughing at those i couldn't (laughs) help it man those were so those are like some of the greatest uh infomercials slash commercials ever made yeah Uh, i was dying over all of those
7: (laughs) Well, welcome to episode 33 of CFX. We, we're calling this like loosely late night TV, and we'll kind of get into
6: infomercial slash late night TV because yeah. we're going to talk about infomercials right. as the center, but there's also like televangelism and and then, and then ads that aren't technically infomercials, but that are in that spirit of crazy products. That's right. And stuff, stuff mostly that is used to fill up the hours of late night TV and catch the vulnerable. We'll also be talking about, uh, some of the infomercial gurus, uh, mainly, uh, Tom Boo, uh, the great real estate, uh, come to my seminar guru. Yep. But yeah.
7: Well, well, let's remind people first of CFX, the conceit here. This is, uh, the cultural futures exchange CFX for short, where we examine different pieces of cultural ephemera. This is a American uh, commercial TV, as we're talking about here. So that'll be interesting. But sometimes it's movies. Sometimes it's uh, real TV. Sometimes it's books. You get the idea. We uh, examine the context and the time that they came out, uh, what's happened since, obviously, and a future valuation take on this, whether it's going to go up in value, go down in value, or stay neutral. And if you've been with us for the other 32 episodes, you kind of get the idea of how this works so let's talk about infomercial definitions and categories a little bit
6: here right yeah we're going to talk about that before we should mention this is kind of more in the wheelhouse of our game show episode right and our am gold episode where it's like it's not so much of an evaluation, although we can evaluate whether this kind of marketing has has a future. Um, I think it actually does, but we'll get to that in the eval. So there is sort of an eval, but it's kind of more of one of these fun episodes where we kind of pick some of our favorites and and kind of go into them. But we do have quite a lot of history and and information. I I actually read this skim this book. I didn't completely read it. Um, there's this author Remy Stern. He wrote a book about 13 years ago called. Uh, But wait, there's more that kind of goes into some of the history. So we do have some background on some of this stuff, but we should define it because it's kind of vague, right? Like, as I mentioned, some of the some of the commercials we played at the beginning were actually shorter and infomercials tend to be longer, right? The, The main characteristic of an infomercial is that it's is length. Right. right. It's it's longer. And it also typically takes up the same length as of an actual TV show between like 15, 30 minutes. Sometimes they're hours and hours of these things. Um, and they usually masquerade as real other types of shows, such as talk shows and news segments. Um, but they're really just long advertisements. Right. And there are different types of infomercials. You know, obviously, the one of the things that really showed up in our intro clip is this idea of new and innovative products. And we'll be talking especially about Ron Popiel, who's kind of the guy who started all of this, or really the most known for this. Um, there are uh, if Ronco, of, right? We'll talk great. about Ronco. That's a huge part of our childhood now. There's a reason that some of these are not infomercials, and we'll get into that in the history. But um, there's also, you know, Billy Mays, etc. And there's Mike Levy with amazing discoveries. These are the kind of things where they're advertising a product, and it's like a long demonstration, and they're solving some problem, usually some typical problem, like there's got to be a better way is another right. You know, and you'll often hear these catchphrases, which we'll go into a little bit more. Um, there's also the guru, you know, the kind of uh, wealth, uh, quick, uh, quick get, wealth gurus, right? Get rich you got, quick
7: scheme, right?
6: Get rich quick schemes. You got yeah. Tom Boo. And of course, most famously, the guy who turned this into an empire, which is Tony Robbins. Um, and uh you have a lot of those. Kevin Trudeau is another one, right? He's got all these kind of products and stuff, and we'll talk about them. And there's off, often a lot of fraud involved, and some of these guys have actually gone to jail. Then you've got like one eight hundred and nine hundred and 900 numbers that came about around the same time. And they're, you know, obviously there's some sexy ones. Uh yeah. And, uh, you know, some, uh, there, there's some bizarre ones. We'll talk about psychics is another thing. Jeff's going to go into Miss Cleo a bit, the most famous one, but there's the psychic friends as well. Right. These were long infomercials, kind of getting people to call these 1-800 or 900 numbers. Another one that's could be its own show. That's kind of tangentially related to this is televangelism, right? Televangelism kind of came about around this same time. And really some of these guys are pretty much infomercials and we'll talk about, um, Robert Tilt and Jeff will talk about him, which is one of our favorites. We remember watching this all the time. It just, you heard that speaking in tongues clip at the beginning, uh, turning, making midgets grow and, and et cetera. Um, yeah. And, but there's also uh, Peter Popoff and these guys usually sell a product like the Miracle Prayer Cloth or Peter Popoff had the Miracle uh, Holy Water or whatever he sold that would make you rich. And they're tied into this um, prosperity uh kind of prosperity of theory of Christianity, which we'll get into. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's a little smaller category that I don't think we're going to talk about as much, but it's part of my personal history because I kind of became obsessed with one of these. There's these time life ads where they they have some kind of music compilation and these are usually 30 minutes. And the one I saw was a soft rock one that had the members of air supply kind of as the narrators. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go into that because I really, this was kind of pre Spotify when you couldn't hear a lot of this stuff. And I kind of almost wanted to buy it. Um, and Then there's some other characteristics around infomercials that are really central to they're 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 usually part of what defines an infomercial. One is celebrity endorsements, right? There's a lot of these with celebrities. Um, most famous among these is probably Proactive, which is still massively successful. This is a the one almost one billion dollar acne product that features. Uh, you know, people like Katy Perry and Justin Bieber and uh, Lindsay Lohan shilling this acne medicine, which is basically just benzoyl peroxide or salicylic acid. It's the same shit that's in any acne medicine. But because these these infomercials come on with these celebrities shilling it, it's become like this massive product and it's still around now. Um, you also have, you know, Suzanne Summers and the Thighmaster, a lot of exercise equipment ones. Yep. And probably the most successful of these was the Total Gym, which featured Chuck Norris and Christy Brinkley shilling this stupid home gym thing that probably, you know, most people just let rot in the in the corner of their garage. Um there's also the marketing techniques, right? We mentioned, but wait, there's more. There's also the whole idea of four easy payments, of uh, blah blah blah, right? And while supplies last, you know, creating the illusion of scarcity. Um, we also should mention, and we'll tangentially relate to this in the history, is home shopping is also part of this. Home shopping turned the idea of into an, of an infomercial into a complete channel, right? Yeah. You had QVC and the Home Shopping Network, and it's basically just, and, and you had the added ability to just buy it right then using a phone number, right? Um, oh, yeah. And the other thing they often have is the secret they don't want to, you to know, right? Yeah. Or <laughs> has this ever happened to you? Or there's got to be a better way, right? And a lot of kitchen and household products, a lot of little quirky inventions, um, and, you know, that's basically it. As far as the zeitgeist, I didn't know what to say to this. I mean, it's really just kind of American capitalism gone haywire and yeah. the whole idea of TV being another way to sell things, right? Commercials, but actually taking it a step further and actually marrying the commercial and the television show so that it's kind of indistinguishable from each other in a way.
7: Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's something uniquely American about this, and I'll talk about that a little bit later kind of this American hucksterism and its sort of origins with, you know, snake oil salesmen and general factory and things like that. Right, right. This this is something, you know, this is yet another dubious and, you know, uh, invention of the American culture that uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, a little bit as we go.
6: And the other thing, of course, is uh, that's kind of related to this, that it's not completely the same thing as the rise of, M- of multi-level marketing and Ponzi schemes, you know, stuff like Amway and et cetera, right? Her- and-
7: Herbalife and all that. Yeah. Herbalife,
6: right? Yeah. I mean, the first infomercial ever, as we'll go into the history, I at least according to Remy Stern's book, was this USA uh, channel, USA channel um, uh, Herbalife ad, you know, which is essentially an MLM. Um, but anyway, that's kind of, you know, the zeitgeist is really just kind of, I think what Jeff said, hucksterism and quackery and all that. Um, well, let's go into the history because I, I love to know where things come from. I like to do deep dives and, you know, we were talking, we were talking a little bit about this and Jeff put down some stuff too, about the deregulation in the eighties, which is the major event that kind of spurred the, this era of infomercials that we're mainly going to focus on, but it starts really, really probably in caveman days, there was someone trying to sell somebody something. Um, and the first kind of origins when I did research was in medieval Europe, there was this whole concept of the mountebank or charlatan. And the first time we see this is in the character of the pardoner in the Canterbury Tells, which was basically a huckster who would go around to towns and sell sinners uh, religious relics. Mm-hmm. So very similar to what Robert Tilton was is still doing or yeah. was still doing for you know decades. It's never
7: stopped as far as I yeah. can tell. Yeah.
6: And then, of course, you know, we know this one, the late 19th century, early 20th century, the whole rise of the medicine show, you know, this started in Europe, but came over to the United States. And as Jeff mentioned, it's the whole idea of the snake oil salesman, because snake oil was one of the things they were selling. Usually these products were basically, uh, you know they were products that had alcohol in them and sometimes cocaine and things like that Or but they were
7: laudanum you know right so that, yeah laudanum right that, that didn't Opiates. make you feel better yeah exactly yeah. of course like this is great this is the best medicine ever yeah you were you were high on smack right
6: and some of these some of these uh medicine shows actually became almost like mini companies there was the uh Hamlin's Wizard Oil and the Kickapoo Indian Medicine Company were <laughs> were really big and then of course There was some backlash against this from the federal government, as we'll talk about the federal government has a role to play in all of this history. And uh, there was a Pure Food and Drug Act in 1906 that cut down on some of this snake oil stuff. And, um, you know, of course, they tamped down on some of the ingredients. Um, But there was this was still going on until the 20th century. I mean, technically, it still goes on now. Um, But but there was a product called Hadacol that was actually created by uh, a former U.S. senator of Louisiana. And it was basically alcohol, 12% alcohol, you know, so it was like wine, but with a bunch of B vitamins and stuff. And he had a show he would take around called the How to Call Caravan. He eventually, of course, ended in financial scandals. You know, he had got a bunch of investors, um, you know, as of this, uh, we're, we're seeing this financial scandal play out right now with Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. <laughs> this is when we're recording this for people, you know, basically not the inability to, you uh, you know, you know, basically leveraging yourself into bankruptcy. Uh, he did the same thing. Uh, and then it had many celebrity spokespersons of the time. You have Mickey Rooney, uh, Ava Gardner and country legend, Hank Williams, uh, shilling for this had stuff. I'm sure Hank Williams loved it, although it probably wasn't strong enough for him. Um, and then you had radio infomercials as well. And the most notorious dude who did radio infomercials, who was uh, a complete groundbreaking guy with this was this guy named John R. Brankley, the, the goat gland doc. And what this guy would do is he would basically had this theory that men who had sexual issues or prostate issues, all they needed to do was to have some fucking goat testicles put in their balls. Ah. So he, he would cut off goat testicles and put it in their, in their balls, this procedure. And of course many people got infected. He would do it to women too. He would put it in their, I don't know, their female parts. I don't, I don't even know how he did this or whatever, but he did some kind of surgery and people would of course become infected. You know, it's, wait, 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 it's hang, hang I,
7: I gotta ask about this. So there are dudes out there who would let him cut up in their sacks and put in goat balls, goat,
6: goat balls. Yeah. And there was even one who had a baby and they had this advertisement, the first goat ball baby, you know, goat, goat <laughs> gland baby, they call it goat <laughs> gland. Yeah. And,
7: and, uh, did it he have a goat head? Or, hey, maybe that's where Stevie Nicks came from.
6: (laughs) Oh, yeah, because of her goaty voice. Yeah, Yeah. maybe. Maybe her parents did the goat uh, gland procedure. So anyway, this dude, he started broadcasting on radio and he would he would basically have a fake medical show called Medical Question Box. And of course, the answer was you need goat balls, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He lost his medical license in in 1930. But of course, he he went down to Mexico next to Mighty 690, uh, you know, for this XER channel and started broadcasting there and um, Richard Linklater, Robert Downey are trying to make a movie of this Robert Downey Jr. They're trying to actually make a movie of this guy's story. Um, I think it's still in production, but yeah, I would totally see that. Um, okay. Moving on into television. So that was the radio. There were other guys doing it, but moving on to television in the fifties and sixties, of course, now's the time we come upon the great Pope clan. And, uh, it's not just Ron Popeil, but his uncle, Arnold Morris, who was a knife whiz, this guy, he could he could just do all kinds of you know like a like a master chef just cut really fast and stuff and he was really known for this and later he would be the the knife wielder in the Gensu commercials ah, so but he was japan, actually ron
7: the right can. right
6: in japan i mean there's a japanese guy in the commercial too but i think the a lot of this thing where you just see the knife cutting the can and the knife yeah. cutting this other stuff that's that's arnold morris um and he he was actually ron popeel's uncle and sj popeel ron's father was an inventor he invented a a machine called the Vegomatic, which was later, re- later re- enabled, renamed to the Chopomatic, and Ron, at age 15, you can actually find this on YouTube. He's like demonstrating the Chopomatic in 1956, and this was a again, well, this was before infomercials were not allowed. We'll talk about the regulatory stuff that's just going to come up after this, but so there were a few really early infomercials where it was like 15, 20 minutes long on TV because, again, in early TV, there was a lot of space to fill up. Right. Not TV didn't broadcast 24 hours. You remember you can see old movies and stuff where people are watching TV and you see the American Indian symbol, you know, that comes up. You know, it's just like this weird uh you know, almost science fiction-y looking thing with an American Indian head in there. And 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 that's what would play, or they would play just the Star Spangled Banner and the TV would go off the air. So there was a lot of space to fill with these in early TV. There was also Al Eikoff, the inventor of the Vitamix. This is actually still around, the Vitamix. It's one of the best blenders you can buy. But he would do demonstration videos on early TV. And so he was another inventor. And of course, you even see this parody. We're going to talk about parodies. Uh, because there's a lot of these, and Jeff especially has a few he wants to talk about. I have one in particular I really think is brilliant. Um, but one of the first was on "Lila of Lucy," was Vitamin to Benjamin, right. and Lucy is speaking for this vitamin tonic, and of course she's saying it tastes great. And one of you know the humor is that she, she has these facial expressions like how like gross shit. it. Yeah. yeah. So um, in 1957, an author named Vance Packard wrote a book called "The Hidden." persuaders that was starting to decry the, the way that commercials were manipulating people, the psychological techniques they would use to advertise. Um, and the FCC got wind of this, and there was sort of a backlash to commercials, and especially these longer ones that masqueraded as TV shows, the early infomercials. So the 1963 in 1963, the FCC put a cap on commercial time. So there were only so many commercials you could show in in, a given hour, and the most a commercial could be was two minutes. And we know now most commercials are much lower than that. You know, they're like 30 seconds to a minute. But back then, two minutes was the max. Um, In the 60s and 70s, you saw the infomercials, these proto-infomercials, go to shorter format so they were technically commercials but they were still kind of that same infomercial spirit you know you're de- this new invention you're you're demonstrating a new project and and of course the most famous one that everybody knows of at least of Generation X we all remember this from, from late night TV as kids is, is the one Jeff played at the beginning which is a ginsu right this miracle knife from Japan um originally this was called the quick cut but then um the Company founders and a copywriter, Ed Valenti, uh, Barry Bircher, and copywriter Arthur Schiff, renamed it to Kinsu, you know, to say it was a secret knife from the Orient. Again, these are the things that the, the mainstream doesn't want you to know, et cetera. And, of course, our, um, Arnold Morris was the guy wielding the knife. You also had the rise of uh, Ron Popel had formed a company called Ronco. And you had the rise of Ronco in the 70s. And we all remember these ads. And uh, Jeff played two of them at the beginning. Mr. Microphone, which um, we'll talk about in our personal history, because I'm sure I didn't have one, but I had experience with friends who had one. And then um, you had the uh, GLH, great looking hair with this hairspray <laughs> that you spray on your fucking head. <laughs> you know, that, I'm, I'm sure that. I mean, if you wanted, to, I mean, they have toupees. Toupees are terrible. There's like toupee jokes where the toupee flies off or looks like, you know, crazy like a little rat's nest. This must have been worse. You spray this on, you go out in the hot sun, all of a sudden you're bleeding. It's kind yeah. of like, uh, didn't Giuliani have something like that yeah. on his hair? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
6: In that, in those videos of the election hearings and all this, and he's yeah. like dripping this stuff so he was probably a, a glh fan i guess
7: i guess uh it, it's like i mean it just looks terrible it, i don't even know yeah. what else to say yeah it, it looks ridiculous everybody it's like it's stupid it's like a tire foam or something like that sprayed on your head that's like dark and oh my god right it's the dumbest idea ever
6: So Ronco had those products, but also had, um, you know, the record vacuum, which is awesome. It was like clean your records. And they also released records. So just like KTEL, they had these Ronco compilations of, you know, the latest hits you could buy. Um, there was the famous food dehydrator, which was actually really successful. The egg inside the egg, egg scrambler, um, the smokeless ashtray, which is so funny. It's like this electric ashtray just sucks the smoke back into the ashtray. Um, you know, but he was really successful, and I'll talk more about him in my eval. I think he was kind of a genius. Um, and but but right before the the kind of big regulatory change, we're going to talk about now, the big shift in regulatory change, he kind of had some issues and went bankrupt. He kind of um, made some bad decisions, but he totally made a comeback, and we'll get to that um, later. So 1984, Ronald Reagan comes in in 1980. He gets this FCC chairman Mark Fowler, who's basically a corporate lawyer who deregulated the whole laws that were set in place uh, or the r- rules and regulations that were set in place in 1963 so now there was no limit on commercial length you know etc but at the same time you have the rise of cable tv right so you have the birth of cable tv um and so the cable there's a lot more channels and they need to fill in space the first infomercial at least that is according to this book I had read that I mentioned um, was the USA Network uh, had a 90 minute Herbalife infomercial, um, and also you know the the bleeding between commercial and and non commercial television you know content and commercial and advertising kind of bled together in a lot of kids shows of this era. You had the Transformers, GI Joe, He-Man. They were basically just a commercial for the toys. Right. right, I mean, Transformers, especially it's like, it's like the toys came first and then they like, let's do this, the show. And it's basically a cartoon, but it's made to really sell the toys. So you're kind of having these two things bleed together. One of the pioneers, there were actually a couple of guys, there was a guy named Frank Canella too, but the one of the main pioneers was this guy, Keith Harrington. And what he had discovered, what he had found, or he had this epiphany, he was watching cable TV and he was watching discovery channel, one of the new cable television networks at the time still around. Um, and they, he noticed they only broadcast to 18 hours a day. So he thought he worked with the cable company and these other, uh, groups, and he kind of was, a you know, it go between like a middleman between companies that had these products. And uh, the cable companies, and he helped produce infomercials. So he was one of the guys who figured out, hey, you know, these these TV shows go off the air. And at the same time, uh, a lot of these marketers figured out that people, they would do better at late at night. So this was perfect, right? Because cable TV shows would broadcast during most of the time people were awake. And then at like two in the morning or something, they would be off. And we'll talk about that, especially with people like Tom Boo and the televangelist you know, people are vulnerable, right? Yeah. You're late at night, you're, you're probably having insomnia. You know, you're probably not thinking your life is very good. And all of a sudden this product comes along that's going to change your life. Of course, you're going to buy it. Um, and, you know, obviously at the same time, you see the rise of QVC and Home Shopping Network. Now, a side note on televangelism, because televangelism has its own really big history. I'm not going to go too into it. Obviously, it started a lot, you know, probably since religion existed there were evangelists and there, you know, there was evangelists who would go like these road shows and these tent revivals they would have. Right. Well, they, as soon as radio started, they moved into radio and you had, um, early preachers like s parks cadman and amy Semple mcpherson having their own radio shows etc and of course they would elicit donations um, over the radio uh, the first guy to do this in tv was a preacher named rex humbart i actually remember seeing him in the 70s um and of course you have the famous ones jerry falwell oral roberts pat robertson um there's just too many to name. It was just, it's, I mean, there was even like the Trinity Broadcasting Network, which is just 24-7 cable channel of this. Um, and of course, Pat Robertson had his own channels and shows, the 700 Club, etc. This was all based on kind of a philosophy. Well, you,
7: you you didn't mention the one I thought you were, which is uh, Jimmy Baker and Tammy Faye Baker. Oh, yeah, uh,
6: Jimmy and Tammy. Again, because yeah. this is kind of a, its own, we could do a whole thing on I this. Know, I, know. I mean, it's like Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker were another one again, completely financially driven right That's right. And all of this this greed was based on this kind of theory that had been that um, a guy named Charles Fillmore had come up in in with in the late 1880s called the new thought and it was based it was this thing called the prosperity gospel and it was basically the idea that acquiring wealth is a sign of God's grace and religious donations will help you get there right so if you give to the church, God will give back to you. It is like complete scam. Obviously, now we're going to focus mainly on Robert Tilton because we remember watching him, and he's also probably the most entertaining of all these guys. But but the, but he he does fit in more than some of these guys to the to the infomercial because he actually relied on people like Keith Harrington to broker um, these deals with cable companies and stuff to get on there you know, and he basically ran his business like an infomercial. So that's why we're going to focus on him. And also he's just amazing. Now there are other infomercial celebrities that kind of came around. Um, you know, you had Kevin Trudeau who came up with a bunch of different stuff, a lot of, you know, alternative medicine. Uh, he's mostly known for mega memory, which is basically, you know, using old, ancient memory techniques. That stuff works. I mean, you know, but he was basically uh, responsible for that. But he started getting in a national natural cure, started promoting, uh, you know, um, uh, conspiracy theories about the FDA. And of course, he was convicted. He was eventually convicted of multiple felonies and fraud uh, because he would say things that his products could do. Uh, It's funny because Robert Tilton is saying he can cure, you know, I make a midget grow, but he's not, you know, well, he actually got into trouble too, which Jeff will get into, but anyway. Um, And then of course, one, one we didn't talk about, which is kind of an outlier here is Joe Francis, right? And Jeff, I think Jeff's going to mention him girls gone wild, et cetera. This guy, man, he's got a rap sheet that's longer than fucking like any criminal. I mean, he has like been accused of tax evasion and then even false imprisonment and assault by various females. Um, So this is another guy who's in, you know, jailed. So there's, these are some famous criminals. Um, But then you have other infomercial celebrities like Billy Mays, right? He's very similar to Ron Popeil, a lot of cleaning products and stuff, very animated. You have Mike Levy, also known as sweater, man, (laughs) Uh, and, uh, he, he basically had this fake TV show that was kind of a Donahue, like Oprah show. I'll be talking about him. I'm going to play some of him. Uh, and, uh, he would have these various guests on one of them that was featured, uh, a lot was this Australian guy named John Parkin and John Parkin. Uh, I have Parkin here. I think it's Parkin. Uh, John Parkin is the kind of creepy guy in the bow tie and the suspenders, um, and, Again, I'm going to talk about the Mr. Show parody of this because I think it's absolute genius. Um, uh, And he, uh, you know, he's he's known for running around and saying, you know, but wait, there's this. And he's like demonstrating uh, kitchen products at at a high speed. Um, And of course, you have the, you know, the the guys who are selling their their techniques or as Tom Vu would say, their techniques, uh, uh, Tom Vu and Tony Robbins. We're going to mainly talk about Tom Vu because Tom Vu was kind of the inspiration for this whole thing yeah. in a way. Um, so anyway, then you have the growth of marshals throughout the eighties and nineties. And, um, you can see a difference, like Wikipedia had a reference where you look at the comparison of TV listings between 1987 and 2007, and you can see that on many channels, infomercials began to outnumber reruns and syndicated TV shows. Uh, from 2007 to 2010, infomercials increased in popularity due to the financial crisis. I remember all those gold commercials like get, Sell Us Your Gold, for instance. Yeah, um, I mentioned Proactive already they're, they're kind of a newer one. And then I just want to talk about the modern day where we are now. Now infomercials are still all over cable. We're going to talk about some of the newer ones and and our ridiculous products that we're going to uh, shout out to in our evals. But I also should mention, mention that Instagram is one big infomercial. I mean, you have these, especially fitness Instagram. I follow a lot of fitness stuff on YouTube and Instagram, and it's basically one big grift. You know, Mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of these, um, you know, there's bang, uh, energy drink uh you'll see this shilled by all kinds of fitness influencers so what happens is these fitness influencers get really popular kind of selling their own stuff and then companies reach out to them one is uh, uh you know these these companies you'll see them on podcast commercials too uh athletic greens you know this is like a green supplement it's basically a fucking overpriced uh you know just green powder with you know vitamins and minerals and then you have like uh you know, bang energy drink, as I mentioned, there's another company called gym shark that sells fitness wear, and they sponsor YouTube YouTubers and, and Instagrammers. Um, there's another company called V shred. That's basically a conglomerate of older businessmen that found this young model and they get this model to, to sell the workout programs and send, they sell this supplement and it's it, and when you watch his, his commercials on YouTube, it's got a link and you can click a link and it goes to a website with like a 20 25 minute infomercial all about this secret diet uh, weight loss, fat burner that the, that the experts don't want you to know about that's been studied at Harvard and it's called Capsimax. And what it is, is basically capsicum that's in hot peppers. Yeah. So I just imagine mainly it probably gives you indigestion and you don't eat that much. And that's how you burn fat, but this guy is a complete, you know, he's been called out. And of course the, the one that's been in the news recently is this guy, liver King, who is a complete roided out roid monster who sells desiccated animal supplements and says that these supplements and his ancestral lifestyle are what made him big, but he was recently caught uh, by another guy, uh, you know, that it actually was found that he was on steroids and he actually had to admit he was on steroids. So, so i actually, all of fitness YouTube and Instagram is pretty much on PEDs. Um, but anyway, these are, these are kind of this, the modern day versions of these shysters. And uh, just because I know about the fitness world and stuff and it's my interest, I just happen to know about these ones, but I'm sure there are many others, you know, get rich quick. You it's, watch on YouTube, you get an ad. There's all these ads about, oh, don't get into crypto. Don't get into this. Get into my special secret money making, you know, or you can just have a YouTube channel and make money, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, that's I think it's still around, but we'll talk about that in our email. So let's go into personal histories. I'm going to go real quick here. Um, again, I remember Ginsu. I remember Mr. Microphone. I never had a Mr. Microphone, but I have friends who had them and we used to play around with that is a really cool little invention i still think it's really cool um obviously we also had parodies um a couple of the ones i remember as a kid uh were uh you know snl the first one was uh de- a direct parody of ron popeel by dan Aykroyd, which was the bass master right this is a basically a blender and they put a bass in it it was kind of absurd uh you even i'm going to play a little clip from this song later but weird al even made a b52 style parody uh dedicated to um, a ron popeel called mr popeel we'll play a little bit of that later um and then my favorite one which i'll talk about later is the mr show Superpan. uh a uh, parody with, uh, basically David cross playing Mike Levy, the sweater man, and, uh, Bob Odenkirk playing Ron Parkin, the crazy Australian bow tie creepy guy. Um, and then you had a rest development, but Jeff's going to talk more about that. Cause there were a couple there. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously Jeff is going to go into this more, but Robert Tilton was a, he, when we were in college, I remember watching Robert Tilton, probably college. And then when we lived in San Francisco for that one year, Um, I remember watching him all the time. Yeah. And Jeff actually sent me the prayer miracle prayer cloth. Right. Yeah. I think you sent that and to the me oil and, too. and yeah. the oil. Right. And yeah. uh yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's, I didn't really use that. I still have that stuff somewhere. I have to dig it up. I wish I had it for, for this, But anyway, we'll, we'll probably have a picture of that in the, as one of our clues. Um, and then, of course, Tony Robbins. Now, this is kind of I was kind of at a vulnerable point in my life. We were living in San Francisco. I was looking for a job and I got interested in this. And Jeff had all the tapes. His dad, I think your dad or somebody had it. And you gave me all the yeah. tapes. So I listened to all of the personal power program. And it's pretty much positive thinking. You know, it's pretty much like, these little mind techniques and stuff and like writing down, it's basically unreal. How much money this guy made with this basic advice. It's, it's, you could probably read Norman Vincent Peale or, you know, um, how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie, um, Dale stuff, Carnegie right. Yeah. I forgot his name. Yeah. You could read that. And it's basically that, you know, and there's some other little things, but it's, you know, it, it's basically, he just, you know, what's weird is his only success. And we'll talk about this with Tom Boo. Cause Jeff had a comment about Tom Boo that was similar. The only success that Tony Robbins ever had in his life was this. So what makes him an expert? What did he do before this? That would make you want to join his program. His success is you buying this. Yeah. It's not, it's not anything he did before. He was yeah, just a it's, poor it's a guy who came up with yeah. this yeah. idea, but he just had such charisma. He was able to do it. And he's still huge now. I mean, it's crazy. He, he, he worked, he basically was a success in this and there's been some scandals here and there, but really he's mostly kind of stayed above the fray. Um, and then of course, um, I also wanted to mention as I was doing this and listening to a bunch of clips, you know, my, my wife mentioned the Ronco pasta maker. This was, uh, Ron Popeil's big comeback, you know, so in the late nineties, early two thousands, like I mentioned, he was sort of bankrupt. He did some other things. Um, he came back with this and it was a massive, massive thing. I'm going to be playing a clip of that one. Um, the pasta maker. And I remember Barb's sister, Barb said her sister actually was so into this that she actually got one. Um, but she doesn't remember that, you know, we were trying to ask her like, so she may not have gotten it, but she may have been really wanting it. So it's like kind of funny that you get this smart person, you know, heart surgeon <laughs> who's like, you know, pulled in by this, but you know, it may work. I don't know. A lot of Ron Popeil's products are kind of cool. And some of them like GLH, uh, great looking hair are just complete scams. And then I did want to mention this, even though we're not going to cover this type of infomercial as much time, life music would create these half originally, you know, had these little ads like freedom rock was one. And there were some other like. Albums that would be advertised like, you know, AM gold or whatever. But then in the 2000s, these became like half hour shows. And I remember we were at Napa on a vacation. This was like maybe 2003. And this ad for the sock rock uh, compilation from time life came on. And it was basically the old guys from air supply, you know, talking about this music with some kind of middle aged Milfi model lady. Yeah, In like a nice house. And of course there's scenes of couples walking on the beach and shit. But I, you know, I loved this music growing up as we, as we learned from the AM gold episode. So I was just kind of like, I really wanted this. And I can't, I, I watched this like a TV show. I sat and watched the whole fucking thing. <laughs> You know, I didn't, I didn't I was completely roped in by this fucking infomercial because it was all this soft rock shit I hadn't heard in years. And this was before Spotify where you could, I mean, I had some records here and there. This is before like streaming and YouTube and Spotify where you could listen to this shit anytime you wanted to. So I was like, I was almost ready to bite the bullet on this one, but I did. not So that's kind of where we leave it.
7: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that Tony Robbins thing. I forgot where he got, my dad got those Tony Robbins yeah. uh, tapes from. Somebody might, I don't think he's the type to buy it, but somebody must have given it to him and I, he gave it to me. Uh, I don't, you listen to them. I don't think I ever really did other than just like a little bit at a time. I think Tony Robbins just kind of had that, you know, jaw swiveling kind of look that uh, helped yeah. him. It's as, like as a lot. six
6: foot five guy and he had some kind of condition where he grew more. So he had yeah. that kind of, it was square jaw to the point of like cartoon. Yeah. Like he was so exaggerated, but he just had that, you know, it just, I was at a kind of time in my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, and I was kind of vulnerable to it. So you could see how people could get roped in. Luckily I got it for free. Obviously I didn't pay for any of this bullshit, but you, you gave it to me on these like cheap yeah. cassettes. Like you, you basically dubbed it or someone had dubbed it for your dad. And and yeah, so I I, to I I might I still have those in yeah. my tape collection downstairs.
7: I don't um, recall where I got them from, actually. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah, I mean, all the stuff you were saying about growing up watching TV. I mean, all I did as a kid apparently was watch TV. And so I saw all of this stuff. Um, it's just, in, you know, an indelible uh, memory uh, for me. Uh, pretty much all like the Ginsu stuff, the Chia Pet, all these things we're going to talk about, um, especially the, the the famous ones. Um, I do remember a lot of the get rich uh, quick real estate stuff being very ubiquitous in the channels that, that I watched. And I remember, you know, of course, Tom Vu and and others, but there were many other, there were many others besides Tom Vu. And they all had the same kind of uh, you know, uh, framework and model and, and pattern to them, where you know, it was all, all these things you could do, uh, all their techniques for you to get rich, it's all real estate buying and selling. And they always had a seminar that you could go to locally, not always, but a lot of them in locally. And they were always at like the Burbank Airport, Hilton. And on a goof one time, like my dad and I were watching one of these things one time. He's like, hey, do you want to go see? Do you want to go to this and just see what it is? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's get I was probably like 14 or something. I don't remember exactly how old he's like. I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go check this out. And it was like a Sunday morning. At like the Burbank Airport Hilton, and it was like in their little shitty ballroom, and it was packed, full of all these people. Like just, it was just almost kind of sad. And we would sit there and and you know listen to these you know hucksters in the front of the room talk about how much money they made uh, selling real estate and their techniques, and then of course what they want you to do is buy their two hundred dollar or three hundred dollar course on shitty cassette tapes. And though I, I mean it was just amazing, you know, it, it was totally like, you know, the uh, time uh timeshare bullshit sort of scams and we didn't even get into the timeshare stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah,
6: timeshares. Like you go to Hawaii and they're like, come to our Luau or something, and yeah, then it's just, you yeah. know, just sit there and watch a presentation about their fucking timeshare or whatever.
7: Right. And they sort of trap you there. Yeah, uh, you know, like Joe Francis kidnaps you and you know yeah. makes you what but anyway, th- this whole thing I remember The most incredible part of it still in my memory was this guy straight faced was saying like people were, he was saying something like, I know you're saying you don't have $30,000 to put a down payment on a house. How do you get the money? And he was talking about how, you know, what he recommends is going and talking to rich people that, you know, and convincing them that you're the best way for them to make money. And And he was advising, you know, like he like talking to your doctor. Uh, you know other wealthy people, you know, and and they're a great source of funds for you to start your real estate. Oh you know, God, empire.
6: that's very similar to to Tom Vu in a way. You don't need your own money,
7: you right? Know, like- yeah, of course. Well, all these things are using other people's money because if you had money, you wouldn't be going to these seminars, right. to right? So I just imagine sitting there, you know, you're at your doctor, you're you're on your elbows with his finger in your ass.
6: And you're like,
7: hey, doc, hey, how about scratching me out a check when you're done for 30 grand? I got this great dilapidated property down in Rosita I want to buy. Like, it it was just so absurd. It it just made no sense whatsoever. I mean, even as a kid, I thought this was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. So we went to this and we were just watching people. It was mostly just a people watch. and, And they were lined up at these desks, you know, that they had these tables that they had in this ballroom writing checks for like 300, 200, whatever it was, dollars to buy the, the these little like plastic containers of all these tapes that would just tell them all this bullshit. And people were really excited by that. And it's these super vulnerable people who thought they were going to become rich um, w- with real estate and, you know, no money down kind of kind of bullshit. So, you know, it, it's really taking advantage of people in, in the most basic ways. And it, it's not really that a news story. But it was taken to the absurd uh, television, you know, infomercial uh, um, heights, right? So anyway, let's move on to our evaluations and and you know, look, we're uh, this isn't uh, a typical show in the sense that we're not, uh, you know, laying down a, a theory of mind here about these things and making a case, uh, Supreme Court style, for our point of view. We're just going to go back and forth and talk about these things and. And how they uh, came to be and how they influenced us. And I want to kick off with one that we, we talked about and really one of the most influential ones to, to both me and Slip, which is Robert Tilton. So you heard, if you've never heard of Robert Tilton, um, he, I played a clip from him at the beginning. He was a guy speaking in tongues, talking about uh, digestive problems and midgets. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a televangelist who bought all the, uh, you know, infomercial slots you were talking about a, he had a, a, a pastor, he was a pastor of a church, uh, called success in life. He was based in uh, Dallas, uh, Texas, and he blanketed the airwaves with his infomercial. I, I think he was in all 235 American television markets on a daily basis, at a point in time, and at the height, was bringing in like upwards of eighty million dollars a year, and called the fastest growing television ministry in America at one point. And he certainly wasn't the first televangelist, Um, and he certainly wasn't, you know, the first—I don't even think—to do infomercials as a televangelist. But this guy was amazing. He was very entertaining. He had that kind of slick pe- uh, preacher hair. He um, was very animated. He would speak in tongues. He was very demonstrative. He would jump up and down. He'd make a lot of noise. And he was just extremely entertaining to watch. And when you're in college and it's late at night and you may have, you know, rolled yourself a joint or two and you were kind of stoned sitting there in a stupor, he was great to watch. It was very uh, funny. <laughs> yes. Now, I want to play a couple of things and I want to talk more about um, how he got into trouble and maybe a little bit about why he was so compelling. But um, first off, I want to play some more of him uh, speaking in tongues. So uh, listen to this. <laughs> Calm sort of call you So this guy would just stand there and start making up gibberish, and it, it's amazing, right? Dude,
6: it sounds like you recorded the Star Wars cantina there for a second. I, That's like that <laughs> sounds yeah, yeah. like
7: something Lucas. It's like Guido. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, sounds like Guido. Yeah, uh, Guido. So, I mean, yeah. He, he so Tilton would just sit there and just in the middle. So he would go along long ra- rambling. Um, you know, speeches where he'd speak in tongues more often than not, he would just like break into speaking in tongues in the middle of a sentence. And this is like a normal thing. And you heard that in one of the uh, opening clips, but one of the greatest phenomenons, I think <laughs> that really lifted Tilton up as it were. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that he's talking a lot about the digestive problems <laughs> at the, in the beginning uh, clip, some genius out there now, One of the great things about this is before the Internet, actually, but one of the (coughs) great things about the the Internet is it brings mix artists of various sorts to the front. (laughs) Now, we've talked about um, Bill McClintock, right, who's one of our favorite mix artists who mixes together different songs to great effect. Um, And he is still with us uh, producing videos on the regular and they're and they're amazing. And and Slip and I are huge fans of his channel. We've talked about multiple times and even played stuff from him, including the Holy Diver uh, Rick James song thing on the Dio episode. But this genius, there's a genius out there who decided that Robert Tilton really deserved to be mixed up with this. So I'm going to play a clip.
3: Watch this. Peter first was in fear when Jesus told him to launch out. Uh It's amazing when the Lord speaks to me. Call me right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's get the the vows and all the prayer requests here. What time do we have? Two will see the glory of God. Hallelujah. And my word will not return void. And it will go to that which it was sent. (laughs) And it will prosper. And now listen to this. You go a little further. You get the one. God's for you. You get He's with you. And then the last biggie. God's in you wow man but learning how to release your faith i just heard the lord say it is a spirit and bread
6: for eating all right so (laughs) dude that is so good you you know what one thing though is like it's the reason that works is some of some of it is the visuals. Because yeah, you see because you, exp- you see your hair how animated he is. Yeah. His facial expressions are going crazy. So it's like super. Plus the
7: the quotes are perfect, like the Lord is in you and yeah. you know, the stuff. Well, there was one where he was running around the set where it was like going that's awesome. That's awesome. So so some genius put you know fart sounds together with Tilton, which to me is really the ultimate, uh, you know, what the internet can be. It's full potential realized in in something like, in, in something like that, of course. And the, the other piece I, I just wanted um, to say about the, the, the farting and Robert Tilton is <clears throat> this whole idea, apart from being a genius comedic idea, bringing together two uh, great comedians, the guy with the fart sands and Robert Tilton, is uh, it generated a whole phenomenon called the farting preacher contest right? The farting preacher try not to laugh contest. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of videos out there of people getting together and watching clips of Tilton, you know, farting. And the whole idea is like, who who laughs first loses, right? So there's all these uh, contests where these groups of friends and stuff like that would get together and try not to laugh at the farting preacher, um, which is, you know, I would lose... And I think you would slip to lose. Oh, no, I instantly. would lose instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was I, dying
6: over that whole clip. You're going to yeah. hear a lot of us laughing under some of the clips because it's so funny.
7: Yeah. So anyway, so Tilton. Uh, so a little bit more about Tilton. So he had this ministry. He's on uh, TV all the time. It was, a lot of his techniques that he used to get money were, you know, uh, you know of course just like farting out as it were all sorts of conditions that people have asking telling them that he can help save them and god will cure them of whatever the usual stuff but tilton had a couple innovations that i that i want to talk about one of the things that they figured out was that um if you give something to somebody they're more likely to make donations back it's just like the you know human psychology thing so sometimes they would send out if you if you would call and give your information, they would send you a dollar, like a like a dollar bill in in the in the uh, uh, mail, and say, "Look, it, God wants you to send back forty dollars," and that was a very powerful lure, and it, and it really worked. Other things we talked about the miracle prayer cloth, which was like this little snippet of the cheapest fucking red, you know, cloth you could imagine, and asking you, "Hey, we sent you this a miracle uh, prayer cloth." Send us money back with the cloth, with your with your uh, prayers in the cloth, and then uh, Tilton will we'll pray on the cloth and you'll be, you know, rescued or saved or whatever it is. Same with this miracle prayer oil, this little vial of God knows what it was in that, maybe water or urine yeah. or something. And they would send this to you. And so when we were in college, what we did is, of course, uh, because, you know, being the sarcastic kids that we were, um, we signed up for a lot of this stuff with like a thousand different aliases. And so on any given day that, you know, the male person would come and there'd be like, you know, 40 little envelopes all to like huge Jass and, you know, yeah. Biggest dickus and, you know, all the usual, all the usual stuff. And so we'd play around with this stuff and we, you know, pass around the miracle uh, prayer clause and, and things like that. Well, while we were in college, actually, like when Tilton became almost at the height of his powers, there is this uh, very famous um, uh, primetime uh, ABC primetime news show expose on Tilton where they did a lot of undercover stuff and hidden cameras and all that. And they basically found that, you know, most of the um, stuff that people would send in, they just dump it right in the dumpster. They take the money out, put all the miracle uh, prayer clause and stuff in the dumpster. and No one looked at any of that stuff. All the prayer cards that people would send in, they just immediately dumped it in the trash, of course. Um, personalized letters uh, that people sent in, prayer requests and all that, um, you know, were all just discarded as soon as the, the money was, uh, you know, pulled out. It was ba- basically a high volume scam. At some point, you know, when they you call in, they would have a prayer counselors on the phone and we'd call and prank those and just sit there and make up ridiculous stories. These poor people who were being paid minimum wage to sit there and just extract money out of people is just actually quite heartbreaking in a lot of ways. So you get the idea. Um, we'll definitely link to some Tilton stuff. Um, most likely, farting preachers things, if we're being honest. But you get the idea about Tilton. And you know, one of the things that I was just trying to figure out about uh, Robert Tilton is like why he was so compelling to us. I mean, I think it's because he was so funny and animated. But beyond just, you know, you know, college kids thinking it was a goof, there's millions and millions of people who were compelled by this guy and sent money to this guy. And he did it on a scale. Um, And part of it was enabled by this TV medium and these late night vulnerabilities on a loop sort of things that we're talking about. But my goodness, this guy was, um, you know, very compelling to just millions and millions of uh people so much so by the way we were so into this kind of, the, tilton that there is another you know tv preacher type who rolled through our college town that we went to go see and he was like you know talking about satan and music and stuff like that and we were just sitting in the front row goofing on him the whole time and he's getting mad at us uh you remember that Slif? that guy yeah yeah was totally
6: <laughs> totally so um, totally it,
7: it was it was amusing so anyway i don't know if you had any thoughts about what made tilton so compelling to you but I, no, I think
6: you summed it up. I think you summed it up. That whole idea of giving somebody something. Yeah. And then them sending it back. And, you know, the whole idea he would pray. And again, it's all part of this prosperity gospel, right? You give right. It to us, God's going to give to you. Um, yeah, I think. And I think the fact that he was so fucking crazy. Yeah. Kind of made people maybe think he was more authentic because uh, be. he was so willing to just go off the
7: rails right yeah he was nuts um, i mean he'd sit yeah. down just jump up and down and scream and talk in tongues yeah. and it's like wow this guy is funny as hell you know yeah I mean, yeah he, he he uh burned calories doing it you gotta say he really did yeah. all right i'm gonna play a clip of the next topic here everyone knows what this is
3: who, who asked you to go out of town the stupid young one or the married one to marry one. That's what I thought. Don't go. You hear me? Hmm. And you know what? You're not listening to me because I see you going. <laughs> I see you going. I'm just telling <laughs> you, I'm trying to help you to avoid the heartache. Don't go blindly through life.
1: Let me use the power of the tarot to show you the way. Call me now for your free reading. Call 1-800-355-3765.
7: All right, so everybody knows that that's Miss Cleo. Um, who became really a cultural phenomenon. Um, yes. I don't know if there's any other way to say it. Um, she was a complete scam, of course. She's not Jamaican. This, this woman, I'm not going to use her. her name, was last name was Harris, Yuri Harris. Um, she was a complete scam artist. Uh, she was not Jamaican, she was born in Los Angeles. She had a whole history of ripping people off in various ways, not necessarily as a, as a fake psychic, although that's most of what she did but she you know stole money from you know theater group and, and things like that there's a documentary that's on HBO uh, right now uh, about her and the and the uh, whole uh, you know miss cleo thing that i watched um, it, it's kind of interesting to in a point to a point but it's also like really overblown to make a documentary about this this person who really doesn't deserve um, that kind of you know notoriety It's sort of an attempt to rehabilitate her image that she was sort of taken advantage of and things like that. But don't feel sorry for this woman. This woman was a criminal. Um, she was a, a con artist long before Miss Cleo uh, came along. Um, and the company that she worked for is a typical 976 scam. They hired a bunch of minimum wage workers who worked from home, who would get phone calls and pretend to be psychics and tell people, uh, sad, lonely people, desperate people, what they want to hear for $400 a minute. All these people were rewarded more the longer they kept people on the phone, um, the, the more they got paid. And it's the usual uh, a scam there. Um, you know, the guys who ran this scam hired this Miss Cleo. You know, Miss Cleo wasn't the brains behind the operation, which the whole documentary was trying to make it like, oh, well, she was a victim too. She was not a victim. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was part of the scam she didn't get the most money out of it because the 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 two uh criminals behind this enterprise it's guy named Steven Fetter and Peter Stoltz um were the you know brains behind the operation but you know look miss cleo was getting paid the whole time she knew it was a scam she knew she wasn't Jamaican she knew she wasn't a psychic she went along for the ride um one of the things that i wanted to point out cuz i thought it was sort of interesting is she would uh, reprise her Miss Cleo character in a lot of different, um, you know, guises, including, and I didn't know this until doing research for this, is she played Auntie Poulet in the uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice oh, City wow. game. Yeah.
6: Wow. So she, she you know, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons I didn't want to watch the documentary when I sort of heard about it from you and read some reviews that it was so wanting to apologize for her, you know, it was like, it was like trying to give her a break. And I'm just like, I do think that, that the subject matter is worth a documentary. I think it's really interesting, this whole phenomenon and the whole con and the fact that, you know, she wasn't Jamaican and put on this whole accent and the whole use of, you know, the rise of informer. I mean, we're covering this whole thing. Right. So it's interesting to me, but I don't like that spin on it. I think, you know, maybe you can spin a little bit like that. Like like maybe, oh, well, she wasn't the real brains behind it. She wasn't the big moneymaker. Maker. but to try to say she's guiltless, it just, it makes me just enraged. Like yeah. I have no interest in, in, in watching that kind of shit. It almost seems like, Oh, it's, you know, I don't know. It see, it seems, it seems a little much, right?
7: Yeah. It, it was totally a rehabilitation attempt at the end or saying, well, she's actually a really good person. And she, you know, she, Oh, she came out as a lesbian and she's living this different life in Florida. And she helped a lot of people. She was a scam artist most of her life. You know, she she came from a rough background. Um, many people do and are not criminals. Yeah. I mean, so um, anyway, so but Miss Cleo became uh, the reason we wanted to talk about her uh, other than, you know, because it's sort of interesting in and of itself was because the whole psychic thing became a big deal. Obviously, Dionne Warwick was another person who kind of gets yeah. away with she she was essentially like Miss Cleo. I mean, she never claimed to be a psychic. But Dion Warwick took money t- to front a scam. And, you know, what's interesting about Dion Warwick, I was reading this about this a little bit, is Dion Warwick said, you know, very upfront, it's like, yeah, she knew it was a scam. She just needed money. Yeah. That's why she did it. It's like, OK. I, I mean, that doesn't really make it that much better in my book, I guess, a little bit. She wasn't pretending to be something she wasn't like Miss Cleo. But still, I mean...
6: That's the celebrity spokesperson angle of this, right? I mean, right. I think proactive, again, it's there's nothing special about proactive. It's a regular acne medicine, but it's a subscription-based one. So people get it. They take advantage of people's inertia, you know, with right. subscriptions. And and then they get all these celebrities to shill for it when you know Katy Perry isn't using some piece of shit infomercial skin product. She's probably got like a dermatologist at her back and call, you know? Right. So it's like these these people know that these products are bullshit. Yeah. Um and and you know it's even worse with the psychic stuff because it's just fraud, right? Because yeah, it's just right. make believe.
7: Yeah. I mean it is preying on people's lowest moments of their lives, you know what I mean? Right. If you're desperate enough, if you're lonely enough, whatever it is to be calling some psychic hotline in the middle of the night and paying, you know, 4 or 5 dollars a minute for that. You got a lot of other shit going on in your life and it's just people taking advantage of of desperate people, uh, you know, ignorant people, um, which is really pathetic. Um, okay, so moving on to sort of the, some products, right? We played some of these at the at the beginning of of the show. I want to talk a little bit about the, the American hucksterism. You you mentioned the the snake oil salesman, the quacks, the covered wagon kind of going town to town kind of thing. A lot of these products that we're going to talk about are. Um, just extensions of that. I mean, if you really look at those, these things in the light of day, they're the dumbest fucking things you can think of. Like some of them, you could sort of like a pasta maker. You could say, well, people like pasta and want to make pasta. Okay. But a lot of the ones we're going to talk about, if you just really look at this and we're going to play these clips for these things that were real products, they seem like parodies, like slip was saying earlier, but these are, I mean, we're going to talk about some parodies, but but these were real products. And some of these are just amazing. Um, and so we'll, we'll play a few of these and, and, and we'll talk about them. So the one, one I want to start off with is one that has been parodied a lot, but it, it's the most ridiculous thing. It's called the Shake Weight. You've, you've probably seen it, but here you go.
3: Shake Weight is the flab-busting breakthrough that trims your arms and shapes your shoulders at the same time. <laughs>
4: back of my arms.
3: You just shake it back and forth. There's no motor, no batteries, and you get the results you want. In a matter of seconds, you feel it. If you had the shake weight in your hands right now, you'd feel the results before the end of this commercial. Now you can wear the dress styles you want.
7: All right, so this is the dumbest fucking thing ever. It looks like a little uh, dumbbell that just kind of moves back and forth, and you're just supposed to sit there and shake it like you're like you're jerking off a horse or something like that. And the whole idea of this commercial was that you had a lot of uh, fairly nice-looking women, you know, jiggling around, shaking this thing. They made a parody on this on Saturday night Live, where all these dudes were just like, "Yeah, this looks good. I I really like watching this commercial, this infomercial late at night, you know." And uh, what's her name? Kristen Wieg was dressed in some sexy outfit, just like making extreme, oh yeah, yeah, you know, motions with with, with this stuff. The idea that people would buy this thing is just amazing to me. I, I'm just baffled by this. But that's one that most people did, assume. right? I, I yeah. don't
6: know how much Shake Weight made, but I think it's uh, you know it made a ton of money. And the other thing is, there's dudes doing it too, and you see these dudes are just jacked. Yeah. you know, it's like wait, they got this way. It's implied that they got this way by shaking this fucking thing, which you you know maybe if you shake it for ten minutes, you might burn thirty calories. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe ten calories you know, but it's not going to do anything for your muscles. I'm sorry. No. It's just, not, you know, the only thing it's going to do is maybe make you a little sore in places and, you know, but it's going to do absolutely nothing. Yeah. There's tons of fitness stuff. There's all these different ab crunchers and ab rollers and stuff like that. And again, they show these fitness models that I'm sorry, those fitness models are not getting that way from just using this little piece of shit. You know, right. it's
7: like, there's just no way. Well, it's like the Suzanne Somers uh, thigh master thing. Yeah. It, like, I mean, it's just it's so ridiculous. All right. So the next one I want to play, you're going to think is fake. I'm just going to say that you're going to think that this isn't actually a product. Slip found this one and I've been obsessed with it. I, I got to play this
6: one. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my favorites too, for sure. Drank a lot of water. I really have to go. People are waiting to tee off. There's no restroom out here. Has this happened
5: to you? I've got the perfect gift. Introducing the Euro Club, the discreet sanitary solution for your urgent relief. It looks like an ordinary golf club, but contains a reservoir built into the grip to relieve yourself. The Euro Club comes with a towel and appears that you are just checking out your club. Leak proof, easy to clean, and no embarrassing moments. Order now and get a second Euro Club for half price. The Euro Club, the only club in your bag guaranteed to keep you out of the woods.
7: Okay, so I, I got to describe what this thing is. It looks like a golf club, okay? But the handle of the golf club is this big sort of cylinder vesicle. And the idea, and there's a towel attached to it. So the idea is that you're on the golf course. You got to take a whiz. Obviously, this is intended for men. And you're supposed to drape the towel over your private parts, pull out your junk, and put it into this club and pee into this what looks like a golf club. But really, it's just a cylinder to collect your urine down at the at the bottom. And so you could take a, a leak out the golf course um, instead of going into the bushes. Or better yet, they actually have bathrooms on golf courses where you could go and relieve yourself. But this is something called the Euro Club. And this was a real product. And the, you heard the commercial for it. And I don't even know what to say about this other than um, this is sort of maybe uh, American capitalism and commercialism just gone, gone, uh, gone wild. And and we'll talk a little bit about that um, in a second. So, all right, the next one I want to uh, play, but I I can, before I move on, do you want to talk about the Euro Club at Slip? Uh yeah,
6: I mean I just uh, I just had to take a break and go to the bathroom because I totally forgot my Euro Club for the podcast. I I totally need one of those yeah a Euro Euro mic or something. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous. The funniest thing about the Euro Club to me, and you may have already said this because I was away for a second, but basically the idea is you know it has this little towel that covers yeah, you when you go over that. the bushes. Yeah. yeah, like what the hell do people? You might as well just pee in the bushes because what the hell do people think you're doing? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah anyway
7: i i kind of want to get one and just try it out to see if anybody is a site like, <laughs> that dude is peeing behind a towel yeah how
6: gross is that club after i mean how do you wash it and stuff it's just so yeah. so, so fucking dumb
7: yeah it uh, yeah, really does seem made up it, it does seem like it is a complete parody but it was a real uh, product you know what
6: i think these some of these products are for like the euro club i think that's like a joke gift i think you get somebody that is a joke yeah because it's not like you're going to use it. some weird fake club, you know. Or, uh, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You're All not right. going to use that club. You have, like, golf clubs. You, you know, It's like you're going to use this weird piece of shit you bought, you know. Yeah. Like, well, I
7: mean, like, people aren't going to say, hey, what's that, you know, weird-shaped, you know, golf club in your bag? Yeah. Oh, can I use that? It's like, yeah, that's, uh, when, yeah. You, you know, when you pull that out and you have to take a leak. You can do it discreetly into a uh, fake golf club. With a yeah. towel blocking yeah. your. All right, awesome. All right, here, here's another one, real product. For over 100 years, we've been scrunching and folding toilet paper. Finally, there's a
4: better way. Comfort Wipe, the sanitary paper extension arm and holder. The
2: first improvement to toilet paper as we know it since the 1880s. It extends your reach a full 18 inches while it follows the contours of your body and comfortably cleans. Peter
3: big eye certainly has its advantages and its disadvantages. This is a great product.
1: It's embarrassing to have someone help you with your personal matters. The Comfort Wipe allows you to maintain your dignity. <laughs>
7: The, comfort, if you wipe, maintain
6: your dignity.
7: the yeah. comfort wipe does not allow you to maintain your dignity. <laughs> the comfort wipe looks like a toilet bowl scrubber, okay? Yeah. And the idea is it has this long handle with like a toilet bowl scrubber end, and you're supposed to put toilet paper on the end of that and use that to wipe your ass.
6: Well, which direct? I don't even see how that would work. Cause it's like, are you going from the front or the back? And it's like, how do you, like 18 inches, you don't need that much. Well, reach. maybe you know, if you're like, a big you,
7: guy, like, oh, that. Yeah, I
6: guess if you're a big guy, maybe if you're you really overweight, you can't reach. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't
7: think most people have that problem. Um, I, I think if you can't wipe your own ass, you have bigger problems in life that the comfort wipe is not going to solve for you. You know what I mean? And, and like, I, I can't even believe this is a real thing. And like, how do you dispose of the toilet paper once you wipe it and you like drop it into the toilet and what if it, I the whole idea is just bizarre. I can't believe anyone ever bought this. I can't believe it was made. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I would love to hear somebody who's tried to use it and describe how they actually use it. Like yeah. trying to work this out, but this is a real product uh sold on, on uh, commercials, uh late night TVs. People were sitting there going, you know what? I, I, I can't wipe my own ass in this this product seems like something I need. So anyway, comfort wipe folks uh, for people. All right, this one, uh, staying in the bathroom where we seem to wind up a lot is this. No, you missed that
3: putt again. You probably don't have enough time to practice. You can have more time to practice your putting with the Potty Putter, the amazing new toilet time golf game that lets you practice your putting on the potty. Your potty putter comes with its own putting green made of the same professional carpet found at miniature golf courses. It's ideal for the executive washroom at the office. Don't limit your life to a tiny toilet. Let your imagination soar with a potty putter, the instant solution that lets you practice your putting
6: every day. <laughs> Dude, you're sitting there. It, it, what it is, is the hemorrhoid creator. Cause you're just going to sit on the toilet and sit there and practice putting yeah, like like it's not good to just sit on the toilet forever, just fucking you know. and Yeah, and then the other <laughs> thing is, like, okay, first of all, this this is another fucking joke gift. This is like someone you buy. <laughs> oh, Dad, I got you the potty putter this year. Yeah, <laughs> you like golf. That's totally what it's like. But and then the other thing is, like, yeah, it's just like miniature golf courses, which is not exactly why you're practicing your putting. I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, it,
7: it, well, for those who have can't imagine what's going on here. There's like a little mini, mini, mini miniature golf a course that you lay out in front of the toilet while you're sitting there dropping the deuce. And it has little flags and a little green carpet and you're with a little mini golf club. And the idea is like, you know, we're saying you you put a little ball around while you are sitting there on the can. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a joke gift. It has to be. But I mean, people made it and sold it. Like somebody sat there and said, you know what? We're going to make a million dollars with this. Uh, Maybe they did, but uh, if you're, again, maybe it's just for a joke gift, but this was a real product, the Potty Putter. All right, moving on, one that uh, I can't believe actually exists. It does sound like a complete parody, but this was a real product. So I'm going to play the commercial, and then I'm going to explain what this is.
3: Does the shoulder strap of your car cut into your shoulder? Is your shoulder strap too tight and annoying? Introducing the Titty Bear. The cute little guy that eliminates all those problems. (laughs) Designed to make driving more comfortable, the titty bear snaps onto your shoulder strap and moves up and down to remove the pressure wherever you need it.
4: My shoulder strap used to pull so tight I could hardly breathe. Now with the titty bear, I really enjoy traveling again.
3: The patent-pending design swivels to work from either the driver's side or passenger seat and fits all makes and models. My wife used
0: to always complain about the pressure from her shoulder belt.
3: Not anymore.
4: And the titty bear works so great.
3: He got one for himself, too. Call and order your titty bear
7: right now. Okay. (laughs) The titty bear, T-I-D-D-Y, bear, is a little stuffed animal you put on your seatbelt that goes over, presumably, these women's boobs, uh, because the seatbelt cuts into them. And the moving up and down in the commercial, they show this little uh, stuffed animal clipped onto the the, uh, seatbelt moving up and down over this woman's uh, boobs. That That's the, the entire commercial, and it's called the Titty Bear. It's and like
6: they came up with the name before they came up with the product. I also love – my shoulder strap was so tight, I couldn't breathe. Like, who can't breathe with the fucking sh- – it's like, yeah. again, solving a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah.
7: like Yeah. I, if your boobs are so big, the seatbelt, yeah. you can't breathe, then you probably shouldn't be in that particular car seat, right? Uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, the Titty Bear. And then lastly – saving the best for last year and and then i uh want to talk about some other parodies here is this
3: are you suffering from pungent pits
1: beastly butt odor How do you stop the stink? This is Doc Bottoms' A-Spray, the all new all over deodorant that prevents odors before they start and can be used anywhere, and I mean anywhere on your body. A-Spray your butt, A-Spray your feet, A-Spray under your arms, you can even A-Spray your private. No bacteria, no stink. A-spray can be used all over your body. Call and order Doc Bottoms A-spray today for only (laughs) $14.99, and I'll send you the A-spray pocket shot absolutely free.
7: Okay. Doc Bottoms. Doc Bottoms. Yeah. Yeah. So this is some kind of spray that's supposed to make your stinky ass and balls smell better. How about just washing your ass and balls? You know, like yeah. you don't need the, the commercial is great because they show some plumber bending over and like some noxious, nox, nox, noxious is the word. Green yeah. uh, air comes out of this guy's butt crack <laughs> and this other guy like starts vomiting because he's yeah, smelling yeah. it. Like that's the best part of this commercial. It's like a mad magazine kind of joke. But this is a real product um, at uh, Aspray, a spray he calls it, but obviously it's supposed to be uh, a spray. So there you go. Um, that was a real product. So other ones we didn't talk about, uh, you, you know, we talked about Chia Pet, um, Thymaster Ginsu, but there's some others you no doubt um, have heard about, like uh, the Slap Chop is a famous one where it's this ridiculous thing. You put a bunch of food under this like little uh, blade mallet and slap, and slap it and it cuts it all up for you. Again, a problem that people don't have, uh, they're trying to solve. The Floby, remember the Floby? The hair cutter? Yeah, with
6: my, dad, my dad and uh, stepmom actually have a Flobie and she uses it. It actually works. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. basically a haircutting vacuum that was invented by somebody. And it's like, it's pretty funny. The commercial is funny because some of the haircuts don't look so great. But yeah, but yeah I mean, if, if you're just doing a really simple haircut, it kind of works, even though it's pretty ridiculous.
7: You're going to have to take a video of using that next time. Yeah, I visit. will. I will. Um, we also have... Uh, the uh bedazzler remember that That's commercial oh yeah 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 that was another one i remember seeing um where it's just like wow um this is a product where you just glue little fake rhinestone shit onto clothes and people think that that is something to buy okay anyway i want to talk about some uh, some parodies uh a little bit here before uh, turning it over to you so one of course um, non-parody, you mentioned Joe Francis. Of course, he's famous for the Girls Gone Wild a series of infomercials um, where, you know, people would show up at some college party with a bunch of you know supposed college girls taking off their clothes and going wild and uh, that being very compelling and people wanting to buy those videos. People did find it compelling. People did buy the videos. Mostly weren't really college girls but so they were probably You know, strippers and stuff like that who would show up, they pay to show up at these places and make it look like it was happening, you know, in a a genuine way. Joe Francis got in all sorts of trouble. Uh, I don't really want to talk that much about Girls Gone Wild. You get the idea. It's not that complex. But there was a couple of parodies, um, one of which on Arrested Development, the Girls with Low Self-Esteem. Uh, parody that they had on Arrested Development, which was pretty funny. It was a guy. What's that guy's name from Scrubs? Who was Zach Ef- uh, Zac Zac, Efron?
6: Not Zach Efron.
7: I forget his name. his name. But anyway, it was like a, the the parody was girls with low self esteem, and he's like, "Girls, you have breasts. We have hats, and we'll give you the hats if you show your your breasts." So that that was pretty funny. On also on Arrested Development, we had the the corn baller. Uh, where they wouldn't allow them to sell the product, I kept burning them, and but they would sell it in Mexico and things like that. Uh, pretty, pretty dead on parody. Um, there are other. Sorry, parody... I'm going
6: to interrupt Zach Braff. I got him. Zach Braff. Of yeah. Zach Braff. Yeah. There, there anyway.
7: you go. Yep. Um, there are other parody. There were other kind of things that you saw in infomercials. Richard Simmons, who we've mentioned several times on this uh, podcast before, had. Uh, infomercials about sweating with the oldies and, you know, jazzercise and all that kind of stuff, too. All right. I do want to talk about parodies, uh, lastly, again, and I want to actually play a few. We talked about personal history. We talked about uh, ones that were pretty funny. These were two that I remember from my childhood that to this day still make me laugh because they're so great and so classic. Um, I'm going to play them and then talk about
5: them. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Mainway, your company manufactures the following so-called harmless playthings. Pretty Peggy Ear Piercing Set, Mr. Skin Grafter, General Tron Secret Police Confession Kit, and Doggy Dentist. And what about this innocent rubber doll, which you market under the name Johnny Switchblade? Press his head and two sharp knives spring from his arms. <laughs> Mr. Mainway, I'm afraid this is by no means a safe toy.
0: Okay, I just, just want to correct you on one thing here, okay? First of all, the full name of this product as it appears in stores all over the country is uh, Johnny Switchblade Adventure Punk. <laughs> now, I mean, uh, you know, nothing goes wrong. These little girls buy them, you know, they play games, they make up stories, nobody gets hurt, you know, I mean, so,
7: uh, Barbie, uh, takes a knife once in a while or gets cut, you know, I mean, uh, there's no harm in it. I mean, as far as I can <laughs> Barbie takes a knife once in a while, no, one gets harmed. Uh, obviously, uh, that's Dan Aykroyd playing um, Irving Mainway, the, 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 sh- the huckster who's selling all these dangerous products. And and I totally Birdie. forgot about
6: this. And this is actually almost like an anti-infomercial because it's like an interview show where she's sort of exposing him, but yeah. it's all about his products. It's it's really pretty amazing. And I totally forgot about this. I used to always love this when I watched it as a kid as well.
7: Yeah. So this was kind of like, you know, this evil Ronco type guy who's selling all these dangerous products. Uh, just real quick, uh, quickly, one other set of products that this guy is selling that I thought were amusing
5: to show you another one of Mr. Mainway's products. It retails for 198 and it's called Bag of Glass. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mainway, this is simply a bag of jagged, dangerous glass bits.
0: Yeah, right, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a glass, it's a broken glass, you know. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it sells very well, as a matter of fact. you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just broken glass, you know. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I,
5: I don't understand. I mean, children could seriously cut themselves on any one of these pieces. Yeah, well, look,
0: you know, a kid, the average kid, he, he picks up, you know, broken glass anywhere, on the beach, the street, the garbage cans, parking lots, all over the place in a big city. We're just packaging what the kids want.
4: You
0: know? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's a creative toy. I mean, you know, if you, you hold this up, you see colors, you know, you see all the colors and rainbows. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, it teaches them about light refraction. Yeah, you but know, prisms and that stuff. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, oh. yeah. Prisms, you know, you know what I mean? I see. You know what I mean? Uh-huh.
5: Oh, so you don't feel that this product is dangerous? No, come on. Look, we put a label on every bag.
0: It says kid. Be careful. Broken glass. <laughs> I mean, we sell a lot of products in the bag o line. A bag of glass Here's a bag of nails, bag of bugs, bag of vipers, bag of sulfuric acid. <laughs> I and mean, then, you know, decent toys, you know what I mean?
7: Decent toys, yeah. Bag of Vipers, is yeah. My, those are my favorites.
6: That's really funny. I really like Johnny Space Commander, which was basically a like it was meant to be an ass, astronaut helmet, but it was basically a plastic bag yeah. you put over your head to yeah. easily suffocate.
7: To suffocate. There's a my favorite yeah. one was the Invisible Pedestrian, where it was just like a a, a black ninja outfit that kids would wear. Oh, and that's and awesome. Play. That's yeah. awesome. So you get the idea. This was a and this happened in the mid '70s, you know, mid to late '70s. Obviously, at a time when a lot of these uh, commercials we've been talking about, like Mister Microphone and stuff like that, were were being played a lot and getting a lot of notoriety and and so forth and so on. So, all right. So, just wrapping up real quick. You know, to me, the these products that we keep talking about all have some common themes. You know, you you mentioned you know shit you didn't problems solving problems you don't have. Uh, you know, kind of. The infomercial uh, televangelist stuff and psychic stuff, trying to prey on the vulnerable people who are desperate and lonely and things like that. It's the same themes again and again and again. And as you mentioned, I think, in the beginning, they're just taking on different form in the era of Instagram and Twitter and, you know, all these other things. People are the same, basically. It's just the methods and the medium that that is changing. And so we'll continue to see these things. Although I don't see us see, you know, very often seeing the uh, parody uh, quality uh, people like like Robert Tilton, like a Miss Cleo very often. It seems like people are a lot more just intense now and angry and direct, but not as entertaining. So anyway, I will turn it over to you. Uh,
6: great. Okay. So I wanted to talk about, um, first I want to talk about you know, the thing is I'm going to cover first, I'm going to talk about the whole marketing innovation and, you know, touch on some of the product stuff. And I also want to talk about infomercials as entertainment, uh, which is kind of basically what Jeff did, right? Because he talked about um, how entertaining uh, Robert Tilton is. So first, let's talk about the marketing innovation. And I think we really have to kind of center on Ron Popeil here. Ron Popeil, you know, just his whole creation of Bronco and his whole Kind of innovation of the basic ways that these things are marketed, right? Fulfilling a need that isn't there, um, you know, basically upselling, right? Breaking things down into payments so it doesn't seem like as much money, right? He did all this different stuff and created so many products that are part of our childhood. We got to lot him. And I think one of the greatest ways to lot him is to play the one parody I'm going to play, which is Weird Al Yankovic's Mr. Popiel. So let's play a little bit of this. Okay. So a couple of funny things about this. One is that it is a completely amazing parody of the B-52s. It could be a song by them. Two is that one of the YouTube commenters on the video I grabbed this from actually mentioned uh, that Weird Al's impersonation of Fred Schneider actually sounds a lot more like Jello biafra which I think is totally true. <laughs> um, and third, the products he mentions are real. Those are actually real products that Ron Popiel created. Right. Um, and fourth, I just want to say that one year, I think either for my birthday or Christmas, Barb did buy me a weird Al Yankovic Chia head. Nice. So we mentioned the Chia pet. We had the Chia and we grew it for a while and it eventually kind of kind of looked good, but it's basically his frizzy hair is the Chia. Um, I don't think we still have it out around. I think we got rid of it. Um, but anyway, we mentioned all the great uh Ronco products, you know, especially from the first era of Ron of, of Ronco. But I want to play. Uh, some clips from the pasta maker because it shows you kind of how he draws you in, right? It shows you his marketing techniques that he uses to kind of pull people in. Um, and you could actually hear the gasps of some of the crowd as he mentioned some of these things. So let's... When you clear. buy
1: them in the stores, the suggested retail price is $269, and believe me, it's well worth it. Of course, you all know you're not going to spend uh, $269 for it, and you won't spend $225 and not even $200, not $190 or $180, and not even $170 like you may all be thinking. What <gasps> you spend for this fabulous machine is just 4 Four easy payments of just $39.99. Hold it, Ron. It's now only four easy payments of only $29.99.
6: Look what you get. You get 12 different dyes and shapes. Okay, so so what he's doing there is obviously he's giving you a price that is complete bullshit, right? Two hundred and sixty nine dollars. There's no way this cheap plastic piece of shit is worth that. But then he's gradually lowering the price. And then when he does something really intelligent, which is he splits it into payments and then has this kind of Don Pardo like spokesperson jump in and say, "Nope, it's actually less than that. So people don't think they're paying like for they don't pay, they don't think they're paying like $150 for this thing. They think they're paying $26.99 or whatever the payment is, right? Because it's, it's split into payments. So it's good. And then of course he keeps adding shit. Like I didn't play, I didn't want to play too much of it, uh, because I have some pretty long clips of some other stuff that I think is worth uh the longer clips. But you get the idea, you starting to add stuff. You know, you get this, you get this. And some of this stuff is just cheap crap, like a pasta fork. So what? How much does that cost them to add? Right. You know, a dollar? So it's like, it's it's pretty brilliant the way he markets everything. Of course, he's just, you know, he's very charismatic. He's kind of a handsome guy. You know, he's doing all of the demos and stuff like that. He's just a master of the form. So, you know, obviously, he's kind of the godfather of a lot of this. But I want to talk about some of the other infomercials and sticking with the whole demos, right? Um, there is a uh, another infomercial series, which is called Amazing Discoveries, which is masquerading as a talk show. And it's led by this guy, Mike Levy, who has since passed away. He's known as the Sweater Man because he wears these very garish kind of Bill Cosby-esque sweaters. Um, And he invariably has a guest star. Now, most of the time, it's this guy, John Parkin. They've, uh, you know, demonstrated pans and stuff like that. And one thing I really like uh, is this Mr. Show parody, which, again, Um, I have it on DVD, but we get everything from YouTube and it's not available on YouTube. Only some things of Mr. Show are available on YouTube. I think Sony owns them and they're really, really bad about removing stuff. But there's this great parody of one of these shows and it basically features, I forget the female actresses, the cast member of Mr. Show's name, but she plays the female and then she's with this guy, John Parkin, who is played by Bob Odenkirk with this brilliant portrayal. I mean, it's so, if you watch John Parkin and you watch Bob Odenkirk, it's like hard to tell them apart just because Bob Odenkirk is such a freaking master. And then of course, David Cross plays Mike Levy. And so he introduces them and he leaves. And then the whole sketch is basically John Parkin showing her this thing called the super pan. And he's just super, and he's like, run over here, run over here. And he starts beating the shit out of her. You know, he starts like fucking grabbing her, and pulling her hair and cutting her accidentally with a knife. And he's like, and he's just like super and come over here, come over here. And then of course, the, the whole joke is that uh, David Cross comes back and he avenges her. And it's so funny because he starts hitting uh, the John Parkin character with the super pan. And he's like, he's like, he's like pan kisses you. He's all touch the pan pan touches you. You know, it's just funny. And it's this whole drama and it's really, really funny just because their portrayals are so accurate. And I don't have a clip of John Parkin, but, um, you know, maybe we'll link to something, but I do have a clip of Mike Levy with a different amazing discoveries and a different host, just because this was about early computers. And it's so fucking funny. I had to include it. So Mike is talking with this computer expert in quotes. My hands are doing quotes, A uh, Kim commando. So let's listen to, uh, now Eric. Kim claims that her video course called the computer tutor
1: actually makes it fun and easy to learn how to use the computer. Wouldn't that be nice? Let's welcome from Phoenix, Arizona, the computer tutor herself, Kim Commando!
4: Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show.
1: Welcome. I hope you can help me with this. Look at this. This looks like it was written by, like, rocket scientists or something. The
4: problem with those manuals is most of them are written by computer scientists, and they have a language all their own.
1: Yeah, I say they do.
4: You're not a computer scientist, Mike. No, you got that right, Kim. But don't worry. My computer tutor course is completely different. I use stories, everyday objects, and words you already know, so it's easy to learn. Well, give me an example. How do you teach using that? Well, when you were in school and learned fractions, odds are the teacher gave you one of these a
1: plastic pie remember the plastic pie
4: well she cut it in half she cut it in quarters and before you knew it you learned a complex subject like fractions two quarters make a half now wasn't that easy
1: yeah but learning fractions is one thing i mean this
4: look at all these buttons
1: this is a scary thing here this computer
4: that's the same way that i teach computers with words you already
6: know well but what about these (laughs) words you already know dude i know in his acting this yeah. is scary. Oh, it's like super animated. And, you know, it's like, but it's presented like it's some information, you know, talk, right. uh, a talk show full of education and information when really they're trying to sell her stupid book that dumbs down computers. Um, and, you know, it's funny that she's a computer expert. Um, but anyways, I just want to play a little bit of Mike Levy because you can if you look up amazing discoveries on YouTube, you can find a million of these. A lot of them are just like cleaning products and, you know, kitchen products and stuff. But this was a funny one because it was like a, a system of learning computers. Now, OK, um, I had to include this next one. Now, this is not one I saw in real time back in the day, but my cousins one night and, uh, you know, my cousins, Danny and Greg brothers, they were visiting their parents and they were staying up late watching TV. And this infomercial came on and that has since become legendary for them. And they said this was the funniest infomercial they'd ever seen. And I heard about it for years. Finally, about 15, 20 years ago, it came up on you whenever YouTube started, it came up on YouTube and I was able to finally see this thing. And so this is another product demo. It's a fake show called, I think it's called Look What's Cooking or something. And it's basically uh, Christopher Hewitt Right, who played Mr. Belvedere? And he's kind of playing Mr. Belvedere in this commercial or this infomercial. And we remember, of course, remember Christopher Hewitt because he replaced uh Hervey Villagez in Fantasy Island for a very small time at the end of the series. Um, but I think that this is some of the greatest infomercial acting that has ever been created. Um, He is basically bringing Shakespearean gravitas to this fucking (laughs) stupid sandwich maker. This thing is basically a sandwich or a panini press,
1: yeah.
6: right? And they're making this thing that's an apple pie, right? And he is gonna talk about all the stuff you can do with the Super Snacker. So first let's play his introduction to what the Super Snacker is. Hello and welcome. Does this sound familiar? You walk into your kitchen to find an invading pack of hungry hooligans in search of the elusive after-school snack. Your husband, who has memorized every sports statistic since the beginning of time but cannot remember how to turn on the oven, wants a little sustenance. You merely desire
3: something wonderfully tasty that can be prepared in minutes, but all you've got are last week's leftovers. Who are you going to call? Not me, I'm busy. But I do
6: have something that will save the day. This is the Super Snacker. The Super Snacker, dude. It's like fucking Hamlet. It's like Hamlet. Every sports statistic, you know. It's yeah. like he is giving. He is fucking doing a Shakespearean play, and yeah. it's like there's no so small parts, funny. man. Yeah. yeah. And and you know you're listening to this, and it's like you're about to you know, just learn about the greatest thing that's ever been invented. Right. Now, so as as this goes along, what the, what the infomercial has is this woman, you know, she's very kind of monotone and bland, and she's preparing this pie. And what the pie is, two pieces of fucking white bread and some kind of apple jam filling. Like, it does not look that good. But you wouldn't know that from listening to Christopher Hewitt describe this thing. He goes absolutely orgasmic over this. And this is the part where my cousin used to do an impression and quote me this so i was like dying to see this thing of course we're about to so we're about to actually she is making the pies and she is about to give it to christopher Hewitt and this is how he reacts so let's listen to it
4: there's nothing inside mm-hmm. let me show you something here All
6: right. yes now this super snack is really a lot of fun for everybody you get the midnight munchies and you can satisfy them by 1205
4: and i'll tell you <laughs> one thing They don't look like this on the inside. Oh, no. Isn't that great?
6: Look at that
2: steam. Here's the plate.
4: Oh, thank you. Let's put these out here and let them cool, and then I'm going to give you a taste of this. How about that?
2: Oh, wonderful. Does that look good? Yes.
4: You want me to let it cool over here for you?
3: Give me a little corner. I think Give me a
4: little corner. My mouth is so trembling. Oh, I (coughs) know. Just a second. Hold it. ...loveliness. Okay. uh, Now, be careful now. It's very, very hot. Mm -hmm. Careful.
6: (laughs) Now, while I'm enjoying this treat, Here's how you at home can get your own super snack.
7: His, his mouth. Dude, my
6: mouth is so trembling. Look at that steam. Here's a plate. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. to. I mean, it's just fucking going. Around. Oh, you're lovely. Oh, corner. Oh, your loveliness. Yeah. Dude, it's like if there was an award for infomercial acting, like an infomercial Oscar. Yeah. Uh, he would have to get it. I mean, his performance is incredible.
7: Yeah. I would love to interview him about that. Just say so. First of all, I want to see him actually eat this stuff and not vomit because unfortunately he's passed away, uh, so you can't do that.
6: But uh, too many, too many super snacker pies, I Uh, guess. guess. Um, But at any rate, yeah, I know it's, it's really crazy. Um, So I just wanted to mention a few of my favorite products. Jeff mentioned a bunch he played. I'm not going to play a bunch of clips because I want to devote most of my time to the man I call the infomercial goat, the greatest of all time, Tom Vu. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, But but you know there was the euro club is one i mentioned uh you know too uh there's one called the facial flex and this thing is like a weird spring loaded device you put and you kind of move your mouth and chew we were trying to figure this
7: out we saw we watched this my it's wife for, it's so
6: you don't have wrinkles you're exercising your face and it's so ridiculous it looks like you could really poke out your cheek or something Ugh. it looks kind of dangerous Ugh. um another one that was favorite uh, a favorite of mine is of course you know sauna is really beneficial you know there's science coming at it all the time and it but saunas are so expensive and you know it it, you know, it takes time and everything so why not get you know a sauna at home with sauna pants the so sauna pants, ridiculous kind of diaper like pants you put on it, just really odd. Another one I liked was the Music Fest. Which is this ugly ass? Uh, Barb's like, I would totally wear that. And it's like this vest with speakers that looks like a futuristic eighties post-apocalyptic. Oh, costume I've seen that. I've yeah, seen that. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, we talked about the titty bear, but there's also the cush breast support. Yeah. Now, this is one where they have a very buxom woman, you know, modeling. So it's almost like you're kind of just watching it for that. But it's this thing that kinda. goes in between a woman's breasts. And my wife actually says this is actually kind of a good invention, because when you sleep on your side, it can kind of stretch your shoulder out if you're, you know, bustier. Uh, the tater mitts. So these are like these abrasive mittens where you basically can peel a potato with them. You're just scrubbing a potato. And they make it look so good in the commercial, but it looks like you just scrub the potato to nothing. You know, right. and I also wonder how you clean these fucking things. Yeah. Well, you know, like it's the, like the
7: same way you clean the comfort wipe.
6: Right. Right. Another ridiculous one, uh, another 800 number or 900 number was Elvis is alive. So this is a 900 number you could call and you'll actually talk to Elvis who's alive and he'll tell you how he faked his death. Mm. So that's a real one. Uh, Another one, Shoudini. This is basically a shoehorn on a stick. You know, it's basically so you don't do that. All that bending over, you know, it's like ridiculous, right?
7: Well, again, you just replace the tip of the comfort wipe with a shoehorn. And there you go. There's
6: this there's these fake plastic birds there's one that's like a parakeet that whistles when you're in the room and there's another one that's a parrot that you can say something and it senses your you know it's got a sensor so it'll record it and then it's just like you know it'll be like i don't want to eat broccoli and then your mom you record it and then you know your mom comes in and says like oh here's broccoli and the parrot says broccoli socks or whatever (laughs) i don't want to eat broccoli it's so stupid right and then uh there's one uh that's one of my favorites. That's actually kind of an interesting little invention. It's called the pushover plunge. And what it is, and it's, of course, it's a narrated by an Australian guy. There's a lot of these guys, Australian or English, that kind of lend some extra authority, like Christopher Hewitt, of course, and John Parkin. But this guy, it's basically an inflatable plunger that you put so you don't have to do all that hard plunging, you know, of sticking the stick in the toilet. You basically put it on the toilet seat, it inflates, and then you close the toilet seat and the air pressure Pushes it down. Now, first of all, I don't think that would work very well if it's really plugged up. But what's the funniest thing is that this the people who act and say how this changed their lives. And there's a woman who's like, "I was at a friend's house, and you know, I clogged up the toilet. Luckily, (laughs) I had my pushover plunger (laughs) with me. So wait, so it's like portable. So in other words, if you're one of those people who takes such huge shits that you go to a friend's house and you clog up the fucking toilet. You have a portable plunger with you. It's just so funny. She just happened to have it with her. It's she like, takes it huge... with
7: her everywhere, of course. Because yeah. she just has that much product, I guess. But anyway, I, I, um, I wonder if she had the comfort wipe with her, too. She's walks into a exactly. friend's house with the plunger. I don't know if the comfort, the
6: comfort wipe her. would be enough. She would probably need a pole or something yeah. with a, like a towel, you know, bath towel on the end of it. I don't know. Anyway, so I want to move on to Tombu because this was the whole reason I kind of wanted to do this. Um this and Robert Tilton, really, Uh, you know, Tom Boo was a fixture of late eighties, early nineties television. You know, he was basically this Vietnamese immigrant that's always, you know, in his infomercial. I mean, his infomercials are really hard to capture on audio because the most uh, prominent thing about his infomercial is that he is on a boat uh, with a bunch of bikini girls. You know, he's talking about his real estate secrets, how he uh, brought himself up from poverty, and the whole time he's just sitting around with these bikini babes, you know, not, not every shot is of that because he has testimonials from people and he's also driving around a Rolls Royce and other things, but he's basically showing you his wealth. And so his story is supposedly he was, a, you know, one of the boat people, the refugees from the Vietnam war in 1975, he came and of course, in the infomercial, they show a picture of him with his family and there's like 20 kids or something. He was working as a bus boy in Florida at a, uh, uh, at the Errol Estates, uh, country club in Apopka, Florida. And in 1979, you know, he's working there and he, uh, he, he will tell a story of how he basically, you know, uh, met a rich man there who told him all the secrets of life. Um, he bought his first house for supposedly 20,000 and got into real estate. Um, And his technique is basically taking advantage of distressed real estate, meaning people who have to sell because of divorce or bankruptcy or other deaths or other families. Like somehow he gets in there and then he's able to buy these houses that are worth like, you know, this is the early 80s. So $200,000 for like, you know, $93,000 and he makes up doubles his money. Right. I mean, supposedly you don't need money to get in, involved like somehow you can get the funds other ways so Pretty this is doctor, his whole right w- he doesn't really say because you have to come to his seminar the whole commercial is about coming to a seminar and the way that the infomercial is structured is he'll talk and then he'll have some testimonials and we'll play some clips but he basically um you know the way it's structured is it will open like it's a show, you know, it says, welcome to secrets of success. You know, there's sort of a narrator. And the first thing you see is a yacht and some ladies and then Tom Vu and kind of a polo shirt. And he's basically describing his, um, his, you know, his, uh, money his technique, making techniques his money making techniques. Right. And he's just, but one, the other thing you often see is he's talking about, you're just sitting on the couch, you know, when are you going to you know, take a chance, come to my seminar. So the idea is he has these free seminars um, and you go to the seminar, but then when you go to the seminar, it's basically another commercial for the actual real seminar, which is like $16,000, you know, in 1988, 1990 money, uh, you know, that you would go for a week, right. And he'll teach you all the different stuff. It's like a workshop. And so he's kind of like teasing people and baiting them about, you know, when are you going to change your life? You know, all these other people say you shouldn't do the seminar. So it's just basically a um, a way to convince people to join a seminar, right? So the, the clip I'm going to play just to set it up, this is actually you know, what happens is, is uh, as I mentioned, that's the way the infomercial is, but then they'll just cut to a blue screen, just showing, okay, he's going to be in, you know, uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey and, you know, Sarasota, Florida, and, you know, whatever, you know, Los Angeles. And it'll show all these different hotels, kind of like what Jeff mentioned, he went to, uh, where the free seminar is going to take place and when you can go like what the dates are. And then it cuts back. So this is, this is the, um, This is the infomercial after it cuts back from showing all the locations of the seminar. And it does this multiple times. It's about 30 minutes long to an hour. So let's play the first clip.
4: Welcome
3: back to Secrets of Success. Relax and enjoy the good life
2: that could be yours. To be wealthy, you got to have a dream. How can you achieve your dream if you don't have any? Look at what most people do every day. They live an average life with a 9-to-5 job frustrated financially for 20-30 years and end up retiring broke all because they don't dare to have a dream dream is what make empire was built upon dream is what make human being great dream is what (coughs) makes us excited about our life so dare to have a dream dream big now look here's the proof I took the Tom
1: Vu seminar I bought 10 houses no cash no credit how are you
2: gonna make money sitting in the couch Go to the 90 minute seminar. Find out what you can do to change your life. Look at all these wonderful lifestyle, my friend. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Life is wonderful down the island down here. You too can have a good life like this. From now on, if someone asks you, did you have a perfect opportunity to become very wealthy? Don't dare say no. Listen
6: to her. Message. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, I love the, that's what make human being great. You know, it's like he's reading from a propter. Another one of my favorite things is he says, look at all these wonderful lifestyle and the wonderful lifestyle. He's spreading his arms out and there's just these bikini babes right next to him on the yacht, you know, right. Um, you also have the, his testimony, a testimonial from one of his people. We'll talk more about who these people might've been, uh, who are in the commercial, uh, because one of them is particularly interesting. But he's he's that guy's basically almost yelling at you Get off the couch. Right. So you're like late at night. You're watching this thing. You see this guy with all these bikini babes who's just this normal little looking, you know, nothing special about him. Right. Except he's supposedly uh, come across this secret. Right. So if he could do it, I could do it, too. And you see the people are just incredibly average looking, you know, who are who are having these testimonials. So um, it's really it's really funny. So later, Tom, you know, in the infomercial, Tom Boo actually talks about how he learned all this, how he learned the secrets. Um, and I also love it because he really gets firm with you about, you know, not listening to people who, uh, who are trying to tell you not to go to the seminar, right? There's going to be these people who are like, hey, this is a, a scam. So Tom goes into this. So this is another pretty lengthy clip with that in mind. What well, don't know about.
2: Let me tell you how I learned the secret years ago. When I was a busboy at the country club I used to work at, one night I got all the guts in this world, I walk over to this nice old man, I give him some water, and I say, Sir, I'm giving you some water. Would you please tell me how to be rich like you, sir? (laughs) And lucky for me, the old man said, Well, boy, stay after work, I'll show you how. I condensed that old man's secret into just three little words, three beautiful words that brought Tom Fu from poverty to be multimillionaire, three little words that made me overcome all the obstacles in my life. You know, in the last 10 years, on my way to make these millions wasn't easy. At first, I got lots of discouragement from friends and strangers who are losers. You know what these people kept telling me? They kept saying, well, Tom you're a crazy nut. Here you are, a poor immigrant, poor minority, speak no English, no contact, on and on. And you're trying to be rich in America. You're crazy, man. Look at people out there. They're smarter than you are. They're not even rich. Who are you to try? and you know what I have to keep telling these people every time I kept saying you are a loser get out of my way I make <coughs> it somehow you know that's what I think you should say to anyone who's trying to hold you back in life take a look at them from head to toe of course they are nothing stay away from them learn from success not failure you know this three little words now that every time I wake up in the morning I already made my millions I treasure that old man's secret in my heart forever if you want to become wealthy Come to my seminar, let me share with you the three little words that can change anyone's life. I know, some of you may say, well, why, Tom, don't go ahead and tell me this three little words right now to get it over with. Well, nothing worth millions like this come easy in life, my friend. you got to make an effort, you got to get on your car, take the time out, come to the seminar, learn the three little words that can make anyone change their life. And who knows, you may decide to join my training and become wealthy also.
6: Come to the Tom Vu Seminar. Learn. Okay. What do you think the three words are?
7: I have no idea. People are suckers. Yeah, must be. I that. know, because
6: come to my seminar is four words. So I yeah. was trying to figure out what they were. But, yeah, of course, you can't know them until you go to the summer. I know give me long-
7: money. Give me money. Give
6: money. Yeah, I know those yeah. were long clips, but... um you know, it's, it's just too entertaining. I never get sick of this. I can listen to him talk for hours. And I think that's part of the charm is his kind of uh, his accent, but also his just attitude, like you're a loser. Get yeah. out of my way. You know, I fucking yeah. love it. I love it. And of course he's, you know, that's, that's in that clip, he's standing in front of a Rolls Royce. He's standing in front of a you know big house and waterfall and stuff.
7: Um, yeah. Not but, his, just a big house probably. Yeah.
6: Well, you know, he actually did make money, but really? we'll talk about how in a minute. Um, so eventually, what? So, so I want to talk about a few things. Um, one is how how much he made. He was eventually worth fourteen million. Um, but there was an inside expo, ex, uh Inside Edition expose in nineteen ninety one, ironically hosted by at that time of Bill O'Reilly of all people. Mm. Um, and what's interesting is uh they talk about who some of these people are in the commercials so there's there's in the infomercial there's one scene you know basically in the infomercial there are many different people like there's a couple of african-american men there's an indian guy there's a you know, East Indian American. Uh, There's a couple of white people, some older people, and they're all just saying, oh, Tom taught me this. This is is here. They're showing their checks for how much they made with Tom Boo's uh, training, right? But there's one clip that's really interesting where he's on the yacht and he's with this other guy who's kind of fit and he's a shirtless guy. And he basically says his name is Al Woodruff. And he's a gymnastics teacher. Well, the Inside Edition expose basically showed that he was Tom Boo's brother-in-law. He was actually married to Tom Boo's wife and was actually an employee. So he's saying he made all this money. But, of course, he works for Tom Boo. So I think, you know, and, and when you listen yeah, to yeah, this. He's
7: married to Tom Boo's wife. Tom Boo's sister. Sorry. Okay, Tom yeah. Boo's sister.
6: Yeah. He was not married to Tom Boo's wife. I actually... I don't think Tom Boo had one wife. You know, if he had a wife, I'm not sure what she thought about uh, yeah. all of his lifestyle, all of these wonderful lifestyle he he hung out with. But yeah, that was, I misspoke. Tom Boo's sister, right? So so basically, you know, he's a, he's basically, it's an inside job there where he's advocating for Tom Boo, but he's in, an inside job. And then a lot of the spokespeople, they're just so monotone. It seems like they're reading from a prompt. So it's, it's kind of weird. At any rate, he was sued in the early 90s uh, by, by former students and he was under some uh, investigation, but he never was tried for any crime. He never did any time. Um, but he basically the inside Edition. Uh, expose talks about how most of the people who go to the seminar don't make enough money to even pay for the seminar of using these techniques. I mean, if you think about it, like maybe he was able to get lucky and buy the right properties and, you know, make some, make a little money. But I think most of his money must have come from the seminar. Cause again, $16,000 a pop. If he got enough people to go, I mean, that's a huge profit, right? Yeah, there.
7: Of course he made the money from the scam of the seminar. Right. And then in the in the clip you played, it's like, oh, I bought ten properties with no credit or money down. It's like, what can you buy in life of any value with no credit or any money?
6: Yeah, Nothing is the
7: answer, right? It's so true. it's a
6: bunch of bullshit, right? Definitely. So you know, after that, he retired uh, from real estate and he moved to Las Vegas and is now, as a as of today, as far as I know, a professional poker player and he's actually really good. Yeah. Um, Did he people he's good. Go, at- You're a loser. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) He's made supposedly one point seven million in winnings from different poker tournaments. So he's got the skills. Obviously, he has the skills to be able to convince people of stuff. So maybe he's got a good poker
7: face. I don't know. Sounds like it. But
6: anyway, I always loved him. I think that was the reason I saw that. And I'm like, we gotta talk about that because that was such a part of like college age and around that period, just seeing him. And there was also a Saturday night live skit uh about this, you know, and it was basically like it was either Saturday Night Live or like in Living Color, one of them. like they kept saying look at these babes but it's like you it, know i think kind it, of, was, it
7: was as mad tv maybe even oh
6: mad tv yeah one of those but it yeah. was like it was kind of amusing but the original is so much funnier anyway yeah, it's I like agree. it's almost like it doesn't it's too extreme to have a parody it's almost like if you tried to parody that christopher hewitt one you just couldn't do it same with robert tilton yeah. the original is always going to be funnier so at any rate, that this was just kind of a fun episode, you know. We wanted to do as far as my evaluation. I really think that marketing and entertainment, especially with the inter- internet, because really what we're talking about here is the is the emergent. The merging of the two, where you're actually blurring the line between what's entertainment and what's actually advertising. And to me, that is going to become more and more blurred. And so we're going to have that same kind of thing of the infomercial going forward. I really don't think it will ever die. And then you have this other example, which is like, I'm not sure what they call it, but the whole video game monetization, where like my wife plays a lot of phone games and stuff. And there's all these like, oh, if you pay $2.99, you can get cheat codes or you can get more of these gold coins or whatever and she never does it but yeah that upselling so you're already paying for a game like and and this is especially true of like um you know online uh you know multiplayer uh rpgs right yeah. and um you, you know something like world of warcraft where you buy things in the game with actual real money and to me this is sort of like an infomercial because you're you're paying for this game already you're having fun but then they're upselling you constantly within the fantasy world and you're actually paying real money. So to me, this is an extension of this. And then who knows what the metaverse if that'll ever happen, but that is just, it's like, it'll just be a infomercial, like a 3d infomercial, in my opinion, they're just gonna be selling you everything. So I think this concept is, is going to stand the test of time. And I think it's kind of unfortunate and there'll always be scammers. I mean, you know, you were, you talked about the, um, the TV one's not the internet one's not being as uh, extreme or something as TV. I mean, if you, get, if you ever go to TikTok and see Carnivore MD and selling his stupid animal substances, uh, you know, his animal uh supplements and how animated he is and how you know eating, eating you know, carnivore has made him a superhero, it's like it's just like the same scam, yeah, sounds you know, it's like it. just the fucking same scam. So it's like you know, there's especially in that fitness and nutrition world, there's so much so much quackery. And it's it's like a medicine show on steroids on the internet. So I really think it's going to get worse, if anything.
7: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the other thing that happens more and more, and it just becomes more blatant and more just atrocious, in my opinion, is the product placement in movies and TV. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Where They used you to, have...
6: remember in the 70s, they used to have a can of beer and it was like generic. It just right. it looked kind of like Budweiser, but it wasn't Budweiser. And that completely
7: changed. Yeah, well, like uh, my wife was watching some, you know, She's really into uh, Korean shows, you know, and and, and all that stuff. And she was saying, like, there's this one she was watching where it's like Subway sandwich stuff was like all over the place. And it was so ridiculously over the top, (laughs) you know, but product placement is in all sorts of shows everywhere all the time. And I find it so, you know, just a boring. I just rather not watch the show. Like, it's so offensive to me. It's like, I can't take it. It's so obvious, especially when people like almost like turn the product to the camera, you know, and it's just, yeah. Oh, yeah.
6: That's that's t- definitely a good point. I think that's all related to this. It is.
7: So, all right. Well, that was episode 33. Hope you had some laughs. Uh, we will definitely link to some of these uh, commercials and and certainly Robert Tilton and the farting creature stuff so you can play along at home, trying not to laugh at that. You will not be successful because it's pretty much the funniest thing ever. So uh, this is Jeff. That's slip signing off episode 33. <laughs>